Welcome to the Powered by Age, Age-Friendly City Zoomcast Reality Style Podcast. We are movers and shakers, shaking up the old notion of silent, helpless, invisible seniors. This is a new series of podcasts funded by the City of Vancouver and the 411 Senior Center Society. As PBA AFC ambassadors, we raise awareness, share our original stories and poems, inform, advocate, and involve seniors in discussing important social issues. In short, these podcasts will help us, you, in creating an age-friendly city for Vancouver today, tomorrow the world. You can hear us everywhere podcasts are heard. Hello and welcome to our Zoomcast podcast creation program. This is the first Thursday in June and today is BC Seniors Day. So we're going to be uh, honoring that with a special uh, guest today. And what we're going to do at this time is starting with me, I'm Charlotte Perrow. We will have each of you introduce yourself briefly, and we will then go to have Chris introduce and give a little bit of an int- more introduction of our special guest. So, um, Judith? Hi, I'm Judith Rainey, and I'm a member of 411 Senior Center and the South Granville Senior Center. Um, yes, so. Uh, yes, I'm Leslie Hebert. I live in New Westminster. I'm a member of Century House and the New Westminster Lawn Bowling Club and the Royal City Literary Arts Society. Um, I am an English as a second language teacher. I teach on Skype, uh, plus a writer. I write short stories and poetry and web content. Okay, Emily? Oh, hi, I'm Emilia Alvarez. And uh, I'm a member of the South Granville Senior Center, and uh, I met you one day there. Yes. And I'm happy to join you today. Welcome. Thank you. I know everybody's screen is laid out differently, so I'm just going along the rows uh, here. And so the last person on the top row is Emily. So Emily, I really we're going to should get together. Yeah. Your name is all so close, right? So my name is Emily Regina Shi. I'm a, a health coach, life coach in functional medicine. So my focus is helping women in a, a better, vibrant living. So uh, I just published my book in February, Mindful Eating for Better, Vibrant Living. Um, so. I belong to, I'm not sure which senior center I belong to. I went to uh, Oakridge Mall, but you know, usually because of Charlotte. So then I went to the 411 uh, terminal. So then I joined this podcast group. So I learned a lot since the first day. So, but anyway, I there for a couple of weeks. So now I'm back, but I hope I can join your small team. I don't want yes. to look uh, what are wrong a little bit, a little bit. Uh, Zoom for me, okay, but you know, it's sometimes I feel work along. It's a little lack of resources, and then I think we'll be in a team will be nicer. Yeah, we're doing both. Okay, Bye. Neil. So good afternoon. Uh, my name is Neil Ryan. Uh, I am a writer and a poet, and. Uh, 
I'm an old guy who's blessed with good health, so. Wow. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sylvia Anderson. I'm from the West End Seniors Network. And uh, at the moment, I'm a wannabe podcaster. <laughs> and you are doing well with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that, Charlotte. But we... <laughs> back on, back on. <laughs> Well, you're certainly the most famous of us after you got Globe and Mail coverage the other day. Yeah. Oh. Ah, I mean, yeah. oh. <laughs> Do tell. Huh. Did you guys not see that? The, no. Sylvia, you were, you were in the front page of, I think, Globe and Mail or National Post? Wow. Not front page, That's sorry. Globe and not Mail. Globe and Mail? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, you have to forward it to us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, please. Is that is that the article that Camille Baines did? Yeah. 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 Well, um, I guess other people are still picking it up. Yeah, must be. Must be. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, fun. I wasn't really expecting national coverage, I have to say. <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. Um, Marika? Yes. Uh, my name is Mariko. I'm a program coordinator at Poe 11 Senior Center. And from this week, we are back to the office. So I'm so happy to be wow. here. Yes. So and we are going to and partially open and on June 15th. So we are preparing for two weeks in the whole partially open. So but anyway, and happy seniors week. And I'm so happy to be here. Thank you very much. And, and just so you know, we're, we're not open yet for the podcasters to come there. We'll still be carrying okay, on by air. Initially, it's uh, uh, income tax and people who've got appointments with uh, for a number of the services that occur there. Uh, okay, Chris, would you introduce yourself and uh, introduce us to the guest, our guest? Sure. I'm uh, Chris Morrissey and I when it's open, I hang out at Britannia, Britannia, Senior, Britannia Community Center at the Senior Center there. Um, and I've been going there for, oh, 15, 16 years. And uh, I'm primarily there as part of Quirky, which is the Queer Imaging and Writing Collective for Elders. Um, so that's been my, been my involvement there for many years. Um, and today I have invited Colleen McGinnis. She could give us a, a wave here so we can see who Colleen McGinnis is. <laughs> Colleen, um, Colleen and I have known each other for many years um, as part of the uh, Bank, City of Vancouver Seniors Advisory Committee. And uh, Colleen is currently the president of... Uh, president, the chair, whatever, um, and, and keeps, keeps members on track with respect to issues that, uh, that arise and that, um, that we, 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 I'm not on the committee anymore, that the, the city that advises the mayor and council on issues that relate to seniors. And so since it's Seniors Week, I thought it would be um, appropriate here to invite Colleen to come and to share some of the issues that um, over the years Seniors Committee has been working on. 
uh, with some more or less success. <laughs> so um, I've asked her if she would join us today and if she would share with us some of the things that um, that the that the cities that the seniors committee has been working on and recommendations made 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 to the made to the mayor and council. Um, so that's Colleen, who's down there in that lovely fuchsia-colored scarf. <laughs> so go ahead, Colleen. Introduce yourself now. Okay. Oh, we just have Pat has just joined us down there. Yes, I think before Colleen begins to tell us about what she does and more about herself, we're just, Pat, we're just at the point of each person doing their brief introduction. So do you want to say uh, unmute and say hello? Pat? Oh, me? Yes. Okay. okay. Yeah, sorry I'm late. I, I did not see the invitation. It might have been there. Some, I have so many emails that I sometimes think I may delete those that I shouldn't. I don't know. But thank you, Chris, for sending it. Um, yeah, so I'm Pat Hogan. I mean, I think I know everybody here. I'm with Quirky and uh, been involved with many different um, women, particularly women's actions and women's groups over the years. Guess that's enough, yeah. Okay, so that brings us to Colleen. Thank you so much for joining. And what we do uh, each week, we sometimes we have uh, a guest that presents. They give kind of an overview of what they do, and then people, uh, everyone within our group is kind of entitled and able to ask questions. And it's helping us with unfolding a number of senior issues and. Uh, things that we don't get answers to today you can point us to how we can continue them uh, in the future okay I will I will try to enlighten you a little first of all uh, <laughs> Chris is laughing already um, I am a senior and uh, I about 10 or 11 years ago I put my name forward to be on the seniors advisory committee because I was doing work in my neighborhood. I live in Dunbar and I was thinking that there were issues pertaining to seniors uh, that were not necessarily being addressed, I thought. And so um, I wouldn't say it was a, a lark, but I, I, I did put my name forward and uh, was very pleased and honored to have been appointed during a period of time when, when Chris was the chair. So I had a very good, I would say, apprenticeship because with, um, with Chris at the chair, uh, it was an easy transition to figure out what, in, what the terms of the committee were. There are 15 people who are appointed directly by city council and we are appointed to advise city council. So we don't advise the provincial government. We don't advise the federal government. Uh, our turf is within the city of Vancouver and working with city staff. So we have a membership that is 
they, they try to be very um, balanced. So we are balanced in terms of ethnicity, uh, gender, geography. It, it's quite a balancing act when the appointments are being made to make sure that we have all, all areas of the city represented. We have people who have different uh, language skills and ethnicities. And um, generally we bring together people, I would say half the people apply to be reappointed and half the people are new to the, to the committee. So working within the, the confines of the city of Vancouver are, are really quite challenging in terms of getting to know who does what and how they how it's done i was lucky because um, i was a city employee for 15 years 25 years ago so um although my knowledge of the city wasn't current i at least understood the process so um when when city staff are looking to put forward a report on a particular subject. There are about 15 different advisory committees. There's food security, persons with disability, women, fam children and family, uh, First Nations. There's a whole range of advisory committees and depending on the work that, that the report or the staff work is addressing, they can go and ask the advisory committees for input, advice, uh, opinion. Uh, and I have to say, if they don't do this, um, oftentimes we end up having to address city council to express an opinion, perhaps contrary to what the, the staff recommendation is, because they have missed the mark. Um, Chris and I talked the other day about, you know, what are the kinds of things that we've been involved in and uh, one that, that could uh, resonate for many people, I think, would be uh, a few years ago, the proposal for a bike lane along West 10th Avenue through the medical precinct and uh, the staff came to meet with the seniors advisory committee uh, with a with a plan and they were very pleased with their plan and they had drawings and and they were removing about 150 parking spaces to create an area that was a safe bike path and they left sort of bruised and abused because we made it very clear to them that the area from Oak to Camby is a very special neighborhood for people who are uh, patients of the medical precinct. They have mobility issues, they have cognitive issues, um, they are frail, they are to be separated as best as possible from fast speeding bicycles and parking is absolutely vital. You cannot 
drop somebody and and say um, to a dementia patient, please wait here while I go and find a parking spot somewhere and I'll be back to fetch you shortly. Um, it made no sense at all. And so it was a it was a long and protracted conversation with staff. Um, I am not an early morning person, but I managed to get myself to the CBC one morning for, I think it was about a 6.15 interview with Rick Clough and Councillor Elizabeth Ball and I went down to um, put forward uh, a concern that we had about this proposal that was going to council. Um, it was a question of priority and the staff instruction had been to build a safe bike lane. They had, council had failed to give them instructions that pedestrians should be the first priority and that the safe travel for pedestrians, especially in that, that area, was absolutely critical. So um, I hate to tell you how many hundreds of hours were spent in volunteer hours, I will have you know, uh, were spent in negotiating with staff as, um, as this moved forward. And sadly, we were only successful once the president of VGH and the president of the um, BC Cancer Center were in touch with the city engineer and, and, and the mayor to make it clear that, that the kinds of planning that was going on was not um, protecting the people that it ought to. So today there is a good deal of parking. There is a separated bike lane with sufficient detours and, and diversions to keep them at a reasonably slow speed. Um, there is extended parking for people who have to unload uh, a, a wheelchair patient or uh, a handy dart. Um, it's, not, it's not perfect, but it's uh, greatly improved over the initial plan. And in the course of this, we had the opportunity to really educate some engineering people about things like um, curb cuts and how st steep something could be when it's not comfortable for someone in a wheelchair, um, different textures that are required for people with visual problems. So we really, I wouldn't like to say that 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 was the hill that I was prepared to die on, but it was one of one of them. Uh, we were not going to let this go, and and we work. We being the seniors advisory committee works very closely with um, the committee called Persons with Disability, and the two groups have quite different perspectives in some aspects of city hall business. And in other situations, we are completely aligned. So uh, happily, we have two separate committees. We're not trying to 
which I understand at one point they had meshed the two committees and it wasn't very functional. Um, but we work very closely together. Um, they have a, a greater concern about younger people with disabilities. We have a greater interest in seniors with or without disabilities. Um, some of the other things that have come along that it, it's, it's difficult to imagine for, I think, this particular group, but when you have young, able-bodied, recently graduated city employees um, and, and private sector employees, there's a lot of things that they don't necessarily take into account. Mm -hmm. And um, a fine example of that was at the, um, redevelopment of Oak Ridge. The uh, plans had been drawn up and they were very proud of the space that they had allocated for the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Unfortunately, they put it on the second floor. And in the case of any kind of power outage or um, earthquake, fire, whatever, they had just stranded everybody in an area which would be uh, for many people they would not be able to leave so that was it, silly in one sense but when the plan was presented at city council we had to go to council and we had to say we think this is just fine however that's that senior center must be at grade wherever it is in the in the site it must be at grade so today it is a great, I'm happy to say. It's in a building that combines a senior center, library, and a number of other things. Unfortunately, it is also a whole block away from the Canada Line station. So the good news is uh, it, it's that great. The bad news is that the whole building is um, quite a distance from easy access to the Canada line. Um, also, the, the discussion continues because the, the way that it's currently set up is that there's the sidewalk, there's the bike lane, and then there's the travel lane. And so we have people who are going to be seniors trying to get into vehicles um, and they have to cross a bike lane to do it. So we are continuing to address that particular uh, circumstance. Um, then there's things that are only easy if they're brought to our attention. Um, Chris knows somebody who lives in a high rise building at Kingsway and Knight. And unbeknownst to us, it's uh, three lanes of traffic and then a median and three lanes of traffic. And the timing of the light was such that somebody with um, mobility issues could not get across six lanes of traffic. They would end up only being able to do uh, a partial crossing and then they'd be stuck in the median until the, the next light cycle. So with the help of the engineering people and some 
reprogramming, um, that was fixed. But, you know, things like that, we really have to have brought to our attention because we aren't all the, we aren't everywhere all the time to be able to see what's required. Um, and I would suggest to all of you that um, crosswalk timing is really, really important. And if you see a situation where the light, the, the time for a pedestrian to safely cross the street before the light turns orange is not long enough, let us know because those can be changed. They can be manually changed. Um, I just, I fear for somebody who is not moving quickly, who gets three quarters of the way across the street and is in front of somebody as a driver who's impatient to, to move against a, a soon to be green light. It, it, I always hold my breath when I see that because um, it's just so, so dangerous. And I would suggest that as much as possible, you get the word out when people are to step off the curb is when the figure is showing and it's white. As soon as the hand goes up and the counting starts to go down, that is not to tell pedestrians they have another seven seconds to cross the street. That is to say, get your butt to the other side of the street. Um, so often I see people stepping out when the timer is running, and I know that that's not the intention. And according to the engineering people, that is causing real difficulties because pedestrians have misunderstood the intention of that countdown. And it, it interrupts the flow of traffic, particularly people who are wanting to, to turn, um, but it also puts people at risk. So, um, you know, that's something that we can work on if we know that there's a, an intersection that's a problem. Um, you know, we've worked on things like changing the building code to make it possible for uh, developers to include in um, bathrooms the reinforcements so that it's easy to put in grab bars when required. Um, it's very expensive to do that after the fact. It's quite inexpensive if you are doing it during the construction process. Um, We've worked with the Pearson Dogwood redevelopment to make sure that the uh, replacement to the Dogwood facility was a modern seniors care facility. And, and when I hear in the news the, the sad situation in so many seniors facilities, um, Dogwood is going to be redeveloped in such a way that every resident will have their own room and their own bathroom. The mere fact that the bathroom will be um, available in each room apparently really cuts down on the transfer of infection between patients. So 
there are things like that, that that we have been able to do. But as I say, we advise City of Vancouver staff and we advise City Council. Um, if there's a matter that we think the provincial government should do uh, or perhaps something that the federal government needs to do, then we simply communicate to mayor and council that that is something that they need to take to a higher authority. There is a, an organization called the Union of BC Municipalities and items that go to that group are then presented to the provincial government on behalf of all of the municipalities. Or Vancouver can write a letter to the premier if they have a particular concern or interest or whatever. Um, but we meet monthly. We meet for at least two two and a half hours. We have a number of subcommittees. We have a really dynamic housing subcommittee at the moment that's doing a lot of work on trying to demonstrate the, the need for very affordable seniors rental housing. They, they're gathering the statistics to show what the average incomes are for, for seniors. Um, the, the fact that, that the city's current um, discussion about affordable housing misses the mark completely because most seniors earn I would say well less than twenty-five or thirty thousand dollars, and yet the city's affordable housing is targeted at. I think it's fifty to eighty thousand. So it's um, it's clearly not not senior friendly in that regard. So um, we're there. We speak to council. We sometimes compliment them. We sometimes throw rocks and tell them that they've done something terribly wrong. Um, there's an issue right now where the Parks Board is looking at um, closing roads into Stanley Park on a more permanent basis. Well, uh, you can be sure that that will be well discussed at our meeting on Friday because um, it's one thing if you live in the West End, you're able-bodied, you can ride a bicycle or you like distance walking. It's a whole different thing if you live in another part of the city that would require that you take a, a bus or drive a car. And if you want to get to, my best example is Prospect Point. If you would like to just sit, have an ice cream cone and watch the traffic through the harbor that could be difficult if um, if cars aren't allowed. Mm -hmm. And they say, well, they'll provide shuttles. And, and, and I think to myself, well, that's all well and good. But if I've got a senior with me and they have suddenly a need for a bathroom or they suddenly, they're tired, it's time to go home, or it's just started to pour rain. I do not want to be waiting for the next shuttle to go through that will take me back to where I parked the car. It's just, it's just not practical. And it's unnecessary because um, bicycle riders are a small portion 
of the users of the street. And so um, we have to continue to, to emphasize that pedestrians first. So that's a little bit of what we do. We nag, we harp, <laughs> we, we prod, we prompt, uh, and, and we just try to keep on top of what about 8,000 employees are doing on a regular basis. It's very, it's very hard to, to actually keep up because they often present us with some report that's fully formed um, and they don't even remember that we're there to, to assist them. So we continue to make our presence known. Well, you've given us a wonderful buffet uh, <laughs> overview of the services and what you do. So, you know, what we do is, uh, as people have questions, you could or comments, you could uh, address them to Colleen. The, the, uh, so the other big report that we did recently was the silo. The, Silas, yes. Yes, yes. Silas. <laughs> we, did a, we did a, we had a, a I called him a senior in training. We had a young man who was studying gerontology and he joined the committee and he was an incredible asset. He took on the task of writing a report on isolation and loneliness and started with a, a masterful literature review of work that was being done in this area. And we ended up with about 26 recommendations, um, not all that were relative to the city, but recommendations of things that could be done that would um, perhaps alleviate some of the isolation and loneliness. Now, unfortunately, staff in the department that was supposed to follow through on this, there was some sick leave, there was some staff shortages, and then we ended up with the coronavirus and people are saying, well, you know, if we implemented that report when you gave it to us, we wouldn't have some of these problems. And we said, yes, you're right. Um, but we continue to remind them that it's there and that it has lots of good things in it that could be used. But that was, a, that was about a two year, if, if Eddie hadn't been working on a PhD in another subject, it would in fact have been a, a PhD thesis. It was so um, thorough and so extremely well done. Hmm. Leslie had a question. Yeah, uh, one comment and one question. So the comment is about the, uh, the target for rental housing. You mentioned that the city determined that it was supposed to be people earning $50,000 a year. Um, and it's not only seniors that have a much lower income than that, but I'm sure there's a, a whole sector of low income workers who also earn far less than that as well. Absolutely. They, yeah. they, this particular project, they refer to it as the missing middle. Mm. There were the, the very high end housing. Mm -hmm. And, and then, um, you know, if you were a, a, a nurse or a fireman or um, some of the people who are providing service, you know, the emergency services, etc., cetera, um, there was no housing that they could afford. Mm. So there was a focus on that. 
But in doing that, they still did not address the fact that there is a large portion of the population. Um, you know, we see it now with the um, pandemic. We have, mm. um, you know, all those cleaners and bus drivers and um, hospital aides and people like that. They aren't able to live in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. So they are servicing our hospitals, but they, they are not able to live here. So that they're traveling enormous distances mm -hmm. to come in. And so um, we're gathering the information so that as future planning is, um, is prepared or developments come forward to the city, uh, we have really good information that can say, but you're not addressing this amount. Or um, if you allow that four-story uh, rental apartment building to be demolished, the people who are living there are paying these kinds of rent mm -hmm. and they will not be able to live in the new building. Yeah. So exactly. um, I don't purport to know the answer, Mm. But we are going to make sure that council is much better educated as to what the realities are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my question also was a little bit about process. And um, I don't live in the city of Vancouver, but I'm sure that there are lots of people in Vancouver that are not aware of your committee or any of the other similar committees um, that work to educate council. So if somebody, for instance, had a question about uh, a building code or an intersection or any of these things that would affect seniors and they contacted a counselor, would the counselor automatically know to forward their concern to the committee or would the person have to know that the committee existed? And if so, how do you let people know that you exist? Um, to the question of whether or not if they went to a counselor, depends on the counselor, you know, because mm -hmm. We make our presence quite well known, mm -hmm. um, but I'm sure that there's some counselors who think that they could go directly, say, if it was a question of a traffic light, they could go directly to an engineering staff. Mm -hmm. um, but technically, they're not supposed to. There's a mm -hmm. division between government and administration. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's we try to make people aware of of what we do, but Quite frankly, we're so busy doing it mm -hmm. that, um, but we do have a, a community uh, engagement subcommittee and the membership of that attend things like the West End Strawberry Festival and um, go to all kinds of gatherings just to let people know that we're here. Mm -hmm. the, Difficulty sometimes is that people come to us thinking that we can do things that are outside our realm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's, that's just what happens sometimes. But yeah. um, if somebody had a question, uh, we, have a, we have two staff liaisons, uh, one from Parks Board and one from uh, Engineering. Mm -hmm. So if somebody sends a message to the seniors advisory committee one of those people will get it and send it on um, yeah we we just try to be available but mm. given that we all 
volunteer, we have to rely on somebody at City Hall to forward to us right. public inquiries. Do you have an email address or particular, what would be the address for someone oh, to contact you? I shouldn't have said that, yes. Uh, <laughs> there is, um, I'll have to get it for you. I'm not good at being able to look at my computer and zoom at the same time, but maybe Chris, if you could, there is, if attached to the definition of the description of the seniors advisory committee is an email address. So if you go to vancouver.ca, go to the advisory committees, um, it's, it's there under the seniors advisory committee. Sorry, you caught me off guard. Did someone else have a comment or question? I'm surprised that Colleen does not have an Irish accent with a name like Colleen McGinnis. She says that she's so Irish as Patty's pig. I have a brother named Gallagher McGinnis, if you want Irish. <laughs> I, I noticed one thing and that that uh, not not a lot of thinking uh, of people go into some of the activities of the engineering department. One of the things that uh, it, it it's a small thing, but they have the bicycles and the and the the walkers on the same side, and I walk the sky train uh, it's exercise and. I want to see that bike that weighs 180 pounds coming at me at 30 miles an hour, mm. 20 miles. I want to see him coming. I don't want him to come from behind me because not one in a thousand would ring a bell. And, mm. and, and, you know, nobody that decided that we were going to be on the same side walking and, and, and riding, uh, nobody ever walked that way. And, 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 and saw a bike coming at them at 180, I'm sorry, at, at, at 18 to 20 kilometers per hour and weighing 180 pounds. And uh, some of them, I tell you honestly, because I walk it uh, very often from Edmond Station to 22nd Street, is that they're really, really a vehicle. Legally, by the way, mm. bicycles are a vehicle. In under the under the um, motor act, the uh, motor vehicle act, and they can do real harm if they run into you. I'm blessed that I'm I'm healthy, but I tell you is that uh, yeah, it's it, it. My point is simple, and that is is that nobody actually did a little research about what's what what is the process. I can tell you that in Calgary, it is the law that bicycle riders must ring their bell as they approach a pedestrian from behind. And it doesn't seem like a big thing, but it is very much enforced. And it takes away a little bit of that discomfort that we have if you're walking and you're not sure if somebody is coming up behind you. Mm -hmm. Uh, we also have some very difficult situations uh, on the Greenway. There are crosswalks painted for um, 
areas where you want to cross from West Boulevard to East Boulevard, and there, there are places where that's possible. But I'll tell you, there is not a bicycle rider that I've encountered who's prepared to stop to like, you know, you can stand at the edge of that crosswalk and I wouldn't put my foot out. I was almost hit the other day when I was doing that very thing. And, and they look at you as if you want me to slow down Yeah. Oh, and, they, and they swerve around. Um, we have a real problem because the engineering people continue to talk about training bicycle riders. And I maintain that bicycle riders are not trainable. They cannot allow a situation where um, you have to expect that they will modify their behavior because it, I haven't seen any evidence of that. Well, what I've done, Colleen, is I walk on the wrong side. Yep. So that I'm walking towards the, the bikes that mm -hmm. are. That's smart, actually. Yeah. yeah. And it's, people. People. Uh, I I apologize and say I know I'm the wrong side, but I don't want to get run over by a bike doing mm -hmm. eight kilometers an hour, and he weighs 140 pounds or 160 pounds or 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 more. Or more. Uh, I refer to it as spandex poisoning. <laughs> they put on their riding gear and they go out and they want to speed and they don't want they the head of the bicycle committee a few years ago was on the cbc and was encouraging that bicycle riders should not stop at stop signs because they lose their momentum and so near City Hall, I've been waved at a few times by people who drive right through a three-way stop because it's going uphill and they don't want to lose their momentum. And I'm thinking, as a driver, I'm not allowed to say that. I don't want to use mm -hmm. my brakes, so I'm going to slide right through this stop sign. Um, but there's, a, there's an entitlement that's very difficult to deal with. I know that intersection. I know exactly where it is, and I watch them go right through all the time. Yep. And there's never, uh, because they're unlicensed, there's no way that the police can enforce giving them a ticket. Mm. Because there's no, you know, we've, we've had, we've, we've heard stories about accidents with, pedestrians and bicycle riders and one in particular the bicycle rider got off apologized provided name phone number and all the rest of it and it was entirely bogus so where everybody thought well that's you know very kind of them to have acknowledged that they were in the wrong they didn't give any information that could help this person mm. end up in the hospital because they they had a run in with a bicycle so um I'd like to think better of bicycle riders, but I haven't seen a lot of proof that that's a good thing. One of the questions that the city, city plan uh, was asking people, how satisfied they were with cultural affairs, and a question came up with uh, the transportation. Are those small buses under the jurisdiction of the city, like the small buses that people might uh, take from a, one museum to the other, from uh, a senior center to a museum? 
Um, I'm not sure. Some senior centers have their own vehicles. Um, there are also commercial vehicles that can be leased for um, tours. And then I think there's some commercial vehicles um, that, you know, take tourists around. I do know that there's a number of um, senior centers and senior housing facilities that have their own vehicles. Um, so I'm not sure. More of those, not so much for, for a tour, but if they were, if there was just a route, some cities call them a dash bus, uh, but it's a, a smaller bus than the regular bus lines and they just uh, go to some of those places that are in between the main bus lines where it's, you know, maybe three or four bus, three or four blocks to get up a hill to a, a place, but they're smaller buses, like the 23 kind of has a route like that, but um, that there's was a, a question. There's a little shuttle, there's a, a small bus for West End, mm. but I think you get into a question of is that a, is that a BC Transit or Coast Mountain issue? Um, probably not a city project. Yeah. But it might be, you know, it's something um, that a commercial company could take on, but then the question is, how do they make it pay? And if they, if the process of making it pay makes it uh, financially inaccessible, then it, it's kind of a, a difficult situation. Mm. Yeah, the the uh, I know there's one that goes up Davy Street because that's the one I've used a number of times and it's part of the regular <clears throat> excuse me it's part of the regular bus system yeah uh, i mean it's got the same painted the same colors and all that kind of stuff so those smaller commuter buses that i've seen are uh um, if they're not the handy darts they're also an, unless they're a an, a, a, a particular uh like a, a, a neighborhood house or or a senior center uh, they are part of the regular transit mm -hmm. um, organization, I think. But because of that, if there were if there were losses, if if it didn't pay its own way, it's picked up in the larger corporate um, services, and and you've got a you've got a very large population in the West End that would um, that would use that where. Some of the, you know, going to, I think the Vancouver Museum is a wonderful facility, but it's dreadfully isolated. And if you, even with a bus, it leaves you a very long walk from the museum. And so uh, how you get people from Cornwall to the museum is, is a real problem. I think it would be better facilitated somehow by the museum, but that's just not economic. How do people get on the, the council? Is there a term that people yes. have and then the nominations come up? Um, the arrangement is that the committee's term expires when the council term expires so that um, every new city council gets to appoint the people that they would like 
on their advisory committees, all of them. And that used to be the case when council had a two-year appointment. And that was the case when council had a three-year appointment. And now that it has a four-year appointment, they have broken it into two years and two years because it's quite difficult for people to make a four-year commitment, um, especially in the case of the, the persons with disability and the seniors committee because um, your health or, or circumstances can change quite dramatically over a period of four years. And so um, we were appointed by the um, Kennedy Stewart Council. Unfortunately, there was kind of a delay between when they were appointed and when we were appointed. Um, our term right now goes to November of this year. And then there'll be a new appointment from November, December through to the end of their term in two years. And the process, they advertise, the city clerk's office advertises in courier, um, online, all of the different ways that they have of, of reaching out to people, asking for um, people to self-nominate and then those applications are reviewed by a panel of three members of city council. And that's where they determine the makeup of the committee. And, and as I said at the beginning of this, it's, um, I think of it as like a three-dimensional jigsaw puzzle because they have to make sure that all parts of the city are covered, they have to make sure that we have representation from various ethnic groups. They have to make sure that there's a gender balance because for quite a number of years, we had, I'd say 14 women and one man, 13 women and two men. Um, it, it's more difficult sometimes to get men to be interested in seniors issues um, more recently, we've had some, some great male participation in the, in the committee, but um, so they, they look at all of the applications and then they have to select based on all these different criteria. So are you a, a Chinese ethnicity living in Dunbar, or are you a um, female living in the West End, and they have you know 17 applications from women living in the West End who might be interested. You know, it, it's it's a it's a question of of sorting all these different um, requirements, and then making sure that the skills that the people bring, or the networks that they have, and the the experience that they have is um, going to contribute to the the overall operation of the committee. Um, happily, we when we meet, we exchange opinions. Um, people offer 
their perspective, whether it's uh, lived experience or um, from within a certain community. And it's much better for um, all of this balance that you get. It, um, but it is, it is a big commitment because there's uh, a monthly meeting, there's subcommittees, there's a lot of communication back and forth in between all of this. And then oftentimes things come up very last minute where a report's going to city council and we have to uh, review something quite quickly. Um, there was lots of emails back and forth yesterday because there's a, a report going about um, public spaces, particularly public spaces in the downtown core area where perhaps a building has a plaza area and is that accessible for people to go and sit uh, in the evening? Uh, are there benches? Are there areas that could be developed for more public space? And um, I'm sorry to say the, the publication that they came up with is beautiful. It's 158 pages long. And if we hadn't had lots of input to this particular group over the last two years, I would be furious because nobody that I know can, can read, absorb, and analyze that much information. And it's going to council on Tuesday next week. And they're looking for our support. So. I just wrote them back and said, well, that's really fine. I think it's silly that it's that long. And could you please send me a quick summary that tells me the, the key points that you're trying to make? And they did. And so that's what we'll address, not the, the lovely colored pictured report that um, I have a bit of an eye problem. And I looked at it and I cannot read it. They have um, colored blocks with white or gray print in a, an orange background. It, it's, it misses the mark completely from an accessibility perspective, but it looks really good. And somebody mm -hmm. spent a lot of time um, doing design work. But anyway, so we, you know, we have to, to respond quickly sometimes. And um, in this case, they came to us maybe two and a half years ago, and we've worked with them. And they've been very responsive. They talked about wanting uh, seating on the street so that, you know, people could from time to time find a place to sit. And we pointed out that if you don't have seating every within several hundred feet of each other, um, that's too far for somebody who has um, a mobility issue. And so they went away and they've, they've modified their, their recommendations with what our, our suggestions were. So um, some staff are really um, wanting to make things as accessible and as, as well designed as possible. Others, I'm sure, just see the, the various advisory committees as a kind of a pain in the neck. They slow them down and you know, tell them things they don't want to hear. So since there are these limited terms for uh, being on the council, 
is there a place on the internet or on the city council's page where people could look at reports that are pending and give their opinion to them? Uh, yes, well, city council agendas are published the Thursday before the week of the meeting. The council meetings are on Tuesday. So every Thursday, this case it happened to come out a day early, it was Wednesday. Um, the, there's a way that you can sign up for these notices and there's a link to the agenda. And then you have to literally read through the agenda to see if there's a report that might be of interest. It's, it's available, but it, it, the notice is, is far too short for the public to, um, really look at it and, and be able to analyze it. Um, I, I, when I worked with the city, there was a two week lapse between when the agenda was published and when the council meeting took place. And that was a more reasonable amount of time to um, review something, think about it, and then be prepared to make a comment. And last week, our subject was advocacy. So maybe if you or Chris could, could um, email me that contact information, I can send it as an email so people would at least know where you could look, you know, to find the agenda and then how to get in touch with the council if there are issues that they want to support or have you bring okay. up. Yeah. So Luke and I have both put the uh, email address uh, in the chat. So the email contact for the committee is seniors advisory committee at vancouver.ca. That's the general email. You'd think I would remember that, but <laughs> I never email myself. <laughs> okay, well, Luke can help me retrieve. Sometimes I have a problem retrieving stuff from the chat, so that'll be his tech coach support <laughs> to help me get what's out of the chat so we can make it into an email to send people. And the other, uh, yeah. other link that would be interesting would be to go to City of Vancouver and um, under the uh, mayor and council, you can get um, notice of the agendas for uh, upcoming council meetings. And that tells you of all the reports and the motions um, that they will be discussing. You know, like very recently, um, Councillor Fry had a motion about uh, patios adjacent to restaurants and and one that that I should tell you about some months ago Councillor Sarah Kirby Young put forward a motion and City Council had previously instructed staff to remove snow from the bike lanes period and her motion was that Council should instruct staff to remove snow from the bike lanes and the adjacent sidewalks. Because there were instances where we've had snowfall and the much less used bike lane is clean. 
um, but no effort is made to clean the sidewalk. And so mm. people walk in the bike lanes and then they get yelled at by the three or four people who are riding their bike in the snow. So it was, it was silly that it had to be done that way, but the instruction had been very specific. And so staff were to clean the bike lanes. And um, I went and I spoke in favor of cleaning the sidewalk. And it surprised me that I had to do that. But, you know, that's what it takes sometimes. Yes, well, thank you for helping us to get a really better understanding of what it takes, your role, and again, ways that we can have some play a part in decisions that are made or help people to have a better understanding of what is beneficial to uh, seniors. Well, I have to say that in order to be successful in this role, you have to have infinite patience. Because <laughs> if you are not patient, if you have a short fuse, this is not the job for you because there's thousands and thousands of city employees and there's 15 of us. And so we have to look at what we, where we can have the best impact with the least amount of uh, conflict. So, um, but you know, um, November, December, there will be an ad in the paper for membership in the advisory committees for next year. And everyone is, um, is encouraged to uh, express an interest in, in becoming a committee member. Those of us who live in Burnaby uh, oh, and in Lewis. <laughs> you have, I'm sure your city has uh, similar advisory committees. Well, we have a lot of similar issues in the U.S. City engineering is not always the most sensible department. <laughs> yes, there are able-bodied young people who sometimes fail to understand. I, I had a communication today from a reporter with a, a publication called The Daily Hive, and he wrote a really excellent uh, article about uh, the his concern about the closing of the roads in Stanley Park. Mm -hmm. And the communication that I got was that he has elderly parents and he knows how difficult it is for them to get around. And so as soon as somebody has some life experience with an older person, they have a better appreciation of what's required. Yeah. We need every engineer to spend time with their grandmothers. Yeah. As soon as I heard that they wanted to close Stanley Park, my first thought was about people with mobility issues. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because I have them, right? Well, exactly. And, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> years ago, Mike Harcourt, after his accident, he refers to us all as temporarily able-bodied. Uh-huh. Interesting. Know, all yeah. one <laughs> health issue or... Mm slip or whatever away mm -hmm. from not being able-bodied and so um that's the approach that i take is you know what does it take for those who are less mobile mm -hmm. that, and that's physically mobile or visually impaired or another one is a hearing problem because yeah. you know um neil spoke about uh, bicycles coming up behind him well if mm -hmm. he if, if if he had a severe hearing loss, then he would be even at 
greater risk because he wouldn't hear somebody coming up. You know, yeah. we hear a crunch of tires or whatever. And that's it, exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also research that sometimes people at different ages, uh, they move the opposite direction so you could move right in the path. Oh, so uh, it's a real problem with someone blowing a horn or ringing a bell mm -hmm. behind you. Yeah, they don't. They don't ring bells. Nobody rings bells. I, 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 I'm I, I'm blessed to be what was it temporarily able-bodied. Mm -hmm. At uh, I'm I'm 80 years old and I'm thinking I don't know what I'm going to be like at 90, but I'm I'm shooting for for it. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's it's part of being aged. And there's going to be a lot more of us. Yeah. The the yeah. other the the other thing that um, the seniors advisory committee has kind of taken as a bit of the motto is if it if something works for seniors, then it works for 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 everybody. Mm -hmm. So, for example, we've had lots of there's been lots of criticism around some of the adaptability, accessibility stuff. And we said, yes, but it's not just seniors. What about mothers with young children and mm -hmm. and and, uh, and 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 push carts, you know, that kind of stuff. So there is this tendency um, because of the ageism that exists. There is this tendency to see that to think that we're making unreasonable demands or you know we're we're costing so much so our attempt is to say yes but if it works for us then it's going to work for a lot of other people as well um, we just happen to be in a way the vanguard that are that are recognizing these things and pushing for some of these things and the the reality is that even though it's been a struggle over the years with city council the reality is that we have been able to achieve uh, we have been able to achieve some things that I think without the existence of a seniors advisory committee would, would not have happened uh, absolutely wouldn't have happened because because they're not on they're not on most on many of the decision makers they're not on their agenda and so I think having at least having this voice um, and I think one of the things that I find sad is that many of the people who live in Vancouver or in other uh, in other jurisdictions don't know that there is such a committee that exists and and therefore um, to, to be able to kind of come together because because we need the numbers of people to be able to the voices to be able to affect affect a change right um, and and we have I mean over the over the years certainly um, we insisted on looking at the development plans for new uh, new residential facility residential care facilities. Colleen and I were on the Dogwood Committee for re redesign of the Dogwood uh, Center for several years, giving our input and saying, no, this won't work or that won't work. Think about it this way. So I think it is at least the city of Vancouver and I know other jurisdictions do have a committee. And as Colleen said, it is a, it is a fair amount of work and you do have to be willing to kind of put in the time and also to be somewhat patient, very patient. Very patient. 
I think the thing in our, our favor is that we know just by virtue of the uh, city of, of, of Vancouver being um, having some funding support for our podcast program and podcast development, that they are interested in having a city that works for all. And they're wanting to know, not from somebody that's 20 or 40 on the committee representing senior issues, but from us. So as we fold out and go from week to week, there've been different issues that we've uh, spoken about. Uh, Marion Pollock from the uh, chairman of the board of, of, uh, at 411 is going to be a resource to us in helping us get people. Uh, we have, is Emily still on? Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily from, I don't see her. No, the other Emily um, left. Um, this, which oh, one? Oh, you're talking about uh, which one? I'm listening. Oh, no, the other Emily. <laughs> She's <laughs> left. But uh, the, there are other senior centers that are looking at how they can lend their support and how to make issues come to force. So uh, at the end of each meeting, we always ask if there are any particular issues people um, want us to have a uh, invite someone or have a discussion about and then to let you know uh in our production team meeting the 11th and the 18th of june we're going to deal with uh, yes next next thursday and the following thursday with indigenous issues there's one day i think that's indigenous people's day which is far too short so <laughs> we will bridge that day with two weeks and uh among it will be one of the things we are looking for someone to speak to is the Red Women Rising report. It's a big report, but the executive summary and then what are the uh, action items from that. And uh, Adele is helping us with creative arts. There was a uh, indigenous film festival last year. This year it got, you know, waylaid like uh, many other things, but some of the people who have produced films, we're looking into having either on one or both weeks, uh, a short film or something that we can both, not just see it as a film, but we can discuss what are the takeaways or the action items from that. Uh, toward the end of the month, the fourth Thursday, um, Penny Zimmerman is open to uh, again, if they're particular people from different levels of government, questions have been raised about, is there any additional subsidy or does there need to be an additional subsidy to older people um, regarding things that, like you mentioned, the cost of living in Vancouver uh, versus what the cur current uh, pension level is. So your ideas that you, you know, either give toward the end of our podcast or that you send in by email, you know, will help us in uh, bringing those you know, to the front so we can have discussions like today. Can I add one little thought? And that is that the, uh, the additional COVID uh, uh, income for seniors is not uh, at the end of June, but in early July, I believe the government says they're trying to get it out by the 6th. And that's the two hundred dollar, three hundred dollar um, uh, assistance for uh, seniors collecting seniors collecting seniors. Uh, uh, OAP suggested it's a drop yeah. in the bucket. Mm -hmm. Say again. 
It's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, it's a drop in the bucket, but I'm glad it's my bucket that's getting the drop. <laughs> but that has to be, that's only for people that are on old age. OAS, uh, 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 Leslie had it a minute ago, OAS and... Uh, oh, I don't know about CPP, that's a contributory plan, so it would just yeah. be people on old age pension, yeah. right, OAS? And also there's, yeah. a, there's a, an additional one for low-income seniors. Um, gain, okay. but but the but my my point in in the three hundred dollars is if if you can't go out to buy your groceries and you've been paying for um, delivery and other things like pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. now um, you can't get perhaps four or five months worth of your prescription but you're limited to um shorter amounts of time and therefore increased uh, dispensing fees mm -hmm. three hundred dollars isn't going to go very far in terms of yeah. setting that. right so we're looking at you know who who has who whose portfolios are those who are people we can speak to uh, those are federal government right but there and, are there is a, Shane Simpson is the minister uh, in the provincial government. Uh, there might be a, but then BC is blessed with a really excellent seniors advocate, Isabel McKenzie. She's definitely somebody you should talk with. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that just gives you an idea of where we're going over those times, but uh, we still are looking for uh, like the project that uh, Leslie and Neil were doing, the, that continuing story, other people who have stories. I know Quirky, uh, both Pat and Chris have done their stories, but if they are the stories from the book, uh, either that you want to read on behalf of people or that, you know, the, the Arthur might want to read themselves, uh, those are things that we can you know, look at scheduling in, because we want to at each time have a segment that will have some creative arts as well as information, advocacy, etc. Uh, we're going to also be having a few showcases, which would be a shorter a time shorter than our podcast, which is about an hour, but uh, a half an hour where there would be maybe two of those um, lifeline interviews eight to 10 minute interview and um, presented by two different people with possibly some music or something in between. So you could just keep letting us know or each person does have between Adele, Robin or I, a mentor that would work with uh, a small group off the main call, but in a group call to work on um, putting together their presentations. So with unless anyone has any other questions. Adele, do you have any comments? We'll say tomorrow. The microphone turned off. Oh, okay. She might have stepped away. You know, tomorrow, Friday, NBC. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I was muted. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I was like talking and you didn't, couldn't hear me at all. Um, I said this is a really formative, uh, informative discussion. I didn't feel like I had anything really to contribute. I felt like I just I needed to learn because there's a lot of obstacles that I wasn't aware of, you know. Um, being a young person, I'm always just kind of like, ha, 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 fluttering away. 
So like, hearing the issues um, was interesting, especially about like sound, like closing down parks and stuff. It really is important because that's how seniors go out and walk. But I hadn't really thought about it that deeply until now. So I don't know. I was just listening to you guys talk today. <laughs> but and I said that between uh, you, Robin, and I, the the whole group is divided up so that we have mentors that will work with where there's small groups around a, a theme like. Uh, uh, health or food security, yeah. some of the other issues, people who had ideas of stories. Uh, one of us will be working with you in small groups uh, sure. to just help bring that together as a presentation within our main um, yeah. Zoom, <laughs> Zoom uh, our Zoom cast. And if you know, yesterday I listened to an H well broadcast and they talked about social isolation. And as you know, there were many people who signed up from each of the uh, centers and organizations. And some of them, uh, they have an, an email, but they they aren't using it. So if you know someone from the, your particular organization or center, give them a call because many people there were a lot of case studies on this age well presentation and people doing all kinds of work. They said about 80% of people don't open their email. So giving somebody that you haven't seen mm -hmm. a call and uh, helping them to understand uh, how simple it is, because there are some people that think that, you know, they're, they're, they have no idea that they could get it on their phone or they had no idea mm -hmm. they're afraid of they'll mess up something if they touch the wrong button. So just sharing your experience and how, um, you know, it's worked out for you might help someone else to feel more confident about getting onto the Zoom. There are people that <clears throat> have written me a uh, uh, email that because people have talked about viruses or talked about pornography coming on, they're afraid that connecting to a system like that, they might start to get spam or pornography. So I think just uh, Neil shared and helped someone to get on and understand how to use their phone. So just do that as we go through the, the, the weeks and the, the more we get together, the real happier we'll be. And the more we bring others in, the happier they'll be. Still a line from Mr. Rogers. I, I'd like to put it out of request for anybody that can help me with my webpage. Uh, I need to make some modifications so that I can advertise my book, which is called From the Other Side, and it's ready, set, go. Oh, Marika, Marika told me yesterday about, oh no, Leslie told me about something that you have, and it's called Coaches, uh, that there are some students, rather than a lot of people who are calling and they want to see if their college students can get onto this line, uh, what is happening is at 411, they are being put into a group that if they have technical support or whatever support, uh, you can call. So if you let Mariko no at 411, then she'll connect you with one of the people who said, ah, oh, I'd like to help with technical issues. Yes, please. Yes, let us know. So. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll s send you on the chat, I'll send you my email and maybe we can connect, but I'll, I'll on the chat, I will send you uh, uh, my email address. Thank you. Yeah, well, also, uh, would you tell them the phone number for the 411 center? Because you could just call 411 to make an appointment. Yes, okay. So I'm going to put my phone and uh, our phone number. 
Okay, but I don't think everyone sees the chat. Charlotte, I'm going to excuse myself from okay. this, if you don't mind. I appreciate the opportunity to talk with everybody. And Chris knows how to find me if you have questions that you would like to me to follow up on. Colleen, thank you very much. You're thank very welcome. You very thank you so much. Fantastic okay. presentation. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Keep safe.